I, I don't feel attacked for my religion, for my race, for my, I am not a, discriminated against. So that is safety from oppression. That's one as an external oppression, safety um, from, from hearing that my, because I'm different, I'm going to be judged, I'm going to be treated differently. That's when we get into safe space. So there's the physical safety and there's the safety from oppression. That's a safe space. Psychological safety is an internal safety. It's, I feel safe enough to say what's on my mind. I don't have, I, I'm, I am safe enough to not have fear to share my ideas. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey leaders, I am really, really excited. Uh, this is the first time I've ever invited someone separate outside from the Student Works family into uh, the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. And uh, today you're gonna be meeting uh, a gentleman by the name of Fahad Al-Hattab. Um, and uh, he is absolutely an incredible person, an incredible leader, a speaker, a trainer, a consultant. Um, and this this conversation just ran ran by. Um, he is, you know, really in the exact same space that I am, and the, and this podcast is our student works management program is building twenty first century leaders um, through community impacts. Uh, so that's that's his that's his space. His email is fahadspeaks.com, or sorry, his website f a h d speaks.com. Um, just a little bit of background. He speaks to over 70 schools. Uh, he does all sorts of corporate retreats. Um, and one of the things we really dug into and as a way to, to hear about leadership, to hear about how do teams, how do incredible teams, he calls them unicorn teams, how do billion dollar businesses get created? Well, they get created by incredible teams. And so, and he looks at his corporate retreats and he says, why were camps magical? Well, camps are magical based on, on some things that happen at camps. And those things can happen in our organizations. Those things can happen in our businesses. Um, and so he's, we, we, we spent a bunch of our, of our podcast talking about that. I know you're going to love it. Like, I really recommend grabbing a pen. There's, he covers a whole lot of stuff. We dig into a lot of stuff, far-ranging topics, and it's really, really powerful. Um, so, so thanks to Fahad to, 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 uh, spend the, the, uh, the, 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 a chunk of the morning, uh, this morning with me, um, and contributing to our young leaders, um, and speaking to our young leaders, again, if you know someone who is looking to really develop in their leadership, really make major strides moving forward into the future, you know, please refer them to our, our program. Um, you can send an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca uh, uh, and you could also go directly to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Okay, so thank you very much. I know you're going to love this podcast. And, uh, and again, thanks to Fahad for, for jumping in and, and, and contributing to our, uh, our listeners. Leaders, uh, uh, I'm really excited to have Fahad here. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. I, I, I know you before the podcast. Well, sorry, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I know uh, we, just before we were we were just talking, and and uh, you've just had a an incredible busy summer running corporate retreats. You've got another one, uh, you know, this weekend. And I just, you know, thank you for making the time today around your 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 schedule. And I know as well. Coming up this fall, you're going to have all sorts of uh, students and young leaders that you're visiting across Canada. And, uh, you know, funny story, um, we got connected and it's it's literally and, and I like to say this, it's like it's like we're in the same pod, you know, leadership and development and 
community uh, um, enrichment and making a difference in the world. Like these are all values that we share. And um, I'm just so excited. You're the first person who isn't a student works alumni on our program and uh, you're here for a reason. So, uh, so thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm honored to be the first. All right. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully I'm able to share a few thoughts and ideas that can, uh, can take your leaders along the way. Well, I, I 100% know you will. So, uh, so, you know, why don't you share your start? What, what, you know, and just, just what got you going in the direction you're going? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of my start, uh, if it came in, in my time in high school, um, if I can go back there and even, even just before then, I, I recall one of, one, of, one of the stories that I recall, one of the stories that I tell fairly, fairly often is, you know, in grade eight, we were, we had been in, we'd been in Canada for maybe six, seven years. We just kind of, I came to Canada fairly young, but we were getting settled. Family was getting settled. Started, we started really growing in the community here in Ottawa, really understanding it. And I had a phenomenal principal. I had a phenomenal principal that was there for our elementary school. And I remember at the end of grade, grade eight graduation, she pulled me aside and she was just giving me a few nice words. If I you know, I'm proud of you, proud of how you're getting involved, playing sports, you're doing all this stuff. And she kind of, set up a bit of a challenge for me and, and one of my buddies there. And she said, you know, Fad, I want to challenge you to come back to this community and continue helping out. And uh, the community she was referring to as Lower Town community in Ottawa, Lower Town, Vanier, are the highest, uh, are the communities with the highest density of low-income housing. Yeah. It's, they're a difficult community. Yeah. And a lot of new immigrants will end up there. A lot of families who are struggling were there. And, and that's, that's where we were. And so she kind of set up this challenge for us. And I remember at 13, I, I always, you know, the, the conversation you're having in your head when an adult is challenging you to come back and help out, you're like, listen, I'm 13. Like, like I don't have much to help. What am I supposed to do to help out? Yeah. It's also like, and, and to be honest, it's also this thought of like, it's up to rich people to help out, right? <laughs> like, that's it. Rich people give charity and I get from charity because yeah. because we're, we're poor. We didn't have a lot. And so... I remember, I remember thinking like, oh yeah. And, and, and again, when adults speak to us as teenagers, we like nod our heads and we go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Right. We have our little filler word. <laughs> and I, I remember just kind of brushing off the conversation thinking like, okay, but I'm trying to make it to the NBA. So I'm going to focus on my basketball career. Uh, I'm going to focus on chasing after girls. Yeah. Like I got, you know, stuff I, got to do. I got stuff to do. And uh, I went throughout high school and, you know, got a little more involved in high school. I was I was attending the Boys and Girls Clubs of, of Ottawa and Community Center. At the Community Center, I was getting involved, playing sports, coaching a bit of the younger. Just started getting involved as a bit of a youth worker. And uh, in grade, grade 12, my buddy calls me, who I was with in grade 8, who his principal, or principal gave us a challenge. He calls me randomly, grade 12, during one lunch period. I'm sitting down having having some food with, you know, food. you have food with the exact same group of friends every time right. in high school, right? Yeah. You have your little gang, you have your little squad, right? Um, and, and sitting down having food. And buddy calls me and he's from a from he went to a different school, high school. I mean, he says, But he says, do you remember the challenge our principal gave us? And I was like, We went to different high schools. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what principal are you talking about? And he's like, No, no, in grade eight. Give us this challenge, come back to the community, help out. And I remember thinking, I was like, Yeah, yeah, I did my 40 hours of volunteer work. <laughs> <laughs> and I helped out. I did it. Like this is this is it. This is, it, right? I did, I, I, it was 40 hours of work. That's free labor, right? Child labor. I remember we used to complain about it, right? We used to, all the jokes, man. And I was like, man, we, I've already helped out. He said, no, I have this idea. I want to, like, I want to start this camp for the kids in the Lower Town community. And I remember, again, I, I remember looking at, looking, just talking to him saying, man, like, first of all, you're crazy. Yeah. Uh, what parent in their right mind <laughs> Gonna drop off their kids to two 17-year-old brown guys. Like it's just like you're being racist to yourself. I said, maybe, like, you know, maybe maybe I am. But like I wouldn't trust myself with these with these kids. Right. And he's like, Well, you're you know, you're volunteering with the boys and girls lab. He was working at some city of Ottawa camps, and he's like, We could do this one week long March break camp, just day camp, and and have fun with it, and just give them a phenomenal experience. And I remember I came up with like a list of reasons we shouldn't. One, we're going to get sued. You know, someone's going to, one kid's going to break his arm. I'm going to get sued. Something's going to happen. Like we have priorities. We're in grade 12. We're trying to graduate, trying to go to post-secondary, trying to figure out like 
I'm still working on my MBA career. Right. Like it's, it's still, you know, and, and he said something that really, really pushed me and, and really, I think hit home. He said, I want to give them an opportunity that we never got. Yeah. And that was powerful. That, that to me was, was a perspective shift of, you know, just because I didn't have it doesn't mean someone else shouldn't. Yeah. And, and, and I have the opportunity to now provide that to someone. Um, and, and so we sat down that the next day and we scribbled together a, a little schedule of what this camp could look like. And we called a bunch of friends and, uh, uh, and I remember the day before the camp ran, I was calling a bunch of friends to, uh, try and get them to come volunteer. And I was like, I called this one buddy and I was like, Hey man, like I, I'm running this camp thing tomorrow. I need you to volunteer. And he's like, tomorrow? Why didn't you call me earlier? I'm like, man, I'm just getting to it now. Like, <laughs> he's like, what? I was like, how many kids do you think are going to come to this camp? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean you don't know? Didn't you do a registration day? I was like, no. I just dropped off a bunch of flyers at, at the school and at the houses, and we door knocked, and we just poked them. He's like, so what if no kids show up? I'm like, that's better. That means I have more pizza for you if you show up, if we had pizza life. And he's like, and what if 100 kids show up? I'm like, well, that's why I need you. You know? Um, and I remember we had about 10, 10 friends on that first day uh, and the visual there, we were just kind of standing there ready to receive these kids. It was almost as if we were like the Avengers, like I can just, you know, and we didn't have no staff shirts on. We didn't like, we were at a school running this camp and we were a bunch of teenagers from high school. And, uh, I mean, I think back to it now and I, I remember how I used to dress too. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if that was the most inviting. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I remember the first kid that came and we had 20 kids that came to that camp, 20 kids. And it was, it was, I tell the story because I think it was, it was life altering and it was life shifting because it shifted something in my mind that said, Hey, if you come up with an idea, you can actually make it a reality. Yes. And it doesn't actually matter if you're poor, if you're rich, or if you're, it, it really doesn't. If you have an idea and you have a few friends that you can call on the phone, yeah. you make a lot of these things a reality. And that was the, that was the launching pad for me. We ran that camp for five years. We raised over $40,000. We helped over 250 families. And that launching pad, that group of friends who came out to that camp was the same group of people that we started doing fundraisers for the Boys and Girls Club, for Children's Wish Foundation, for Youth Ottawa. All these fundraisers that we started doing over the over the past seven years after that, right. that rate combined total of almost one point two million dollars for charity. Wow! And it started off from this little camp that had twenty kids. Yeah. That was honestly just like we just put them in a school, played basketball, played dodgeball, yeah. and fed them. Lunch, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it was such a phenomenal experience. So that that really was a start off of of entrepreneurial in a different way in a sense of finding a problem and solving it. Cause I truly think that's what entrepreneurs do, whether it's, whether it's using business or charity or social enterprise or a mix of, of everything or even social policy, but it's identifying a problem and fixing it with the minimal resources that you do have. And, and I think that's what, that's what taught me. And, and that's what got me to where I am today. And as my friends would joke, they'd say, I used to run camp for kids. Now you run camp for adults. I'm like, that's actually so, exactly what I do. Well, well, yes. <laughs> you know? What I see is, is just kind of, like you said, a vision, a commitment, you know, enrolling your buddies and your friends, and then really having no clue. Like you said, no dress, no structure, no plan, no, none, none, none. And now, and by the way, before the podcast, we were talking about these weekend corporate retreats that Fahad did and I, I used to do, they are just so magical and, and you create literally magic for, for relationships in these corporate cor corporations coming together. And, and I, I just know Fahad would just do so, so, so much with it. And so much of it, there is all sorts of structure. And again, there is yeah. also is just the, the, the freedom of it just gets created, right? It gets created in conversation. Yes, yes, definitely. No, definitely. Some of it is just fluid, yes. right? Some of it just, just happens through. And you know, the first story I tell during the introduction of every retreat um, is I talk about what we call camp magic. Okay. Because if you've gone to camp, you, you know the term, yeah. right? We all, as counselors, as kids, we're like, 
there's this, when you go to camp, there's this magic. What? And I wrote this blog post about it one day and I did a little bit of research on it because it started as I started to work with more teams. I was like, wait, what was so special about camp? Why, why was there this magic? What made it so good? And, and, you know, I, I wrote a little blog post about five, five elements of, of, of kind of what makes camp magic. And we actually take that philosophy and we apply, apply it to our retreats, but we also apply it to our team dynamics now because we realize that what made camp so special is, is, is what makes everyone want to be a part of it is the thing that you want to create in your own team. Right. Because if you can recreate camp magic in your own team, then everyone wants to be a part of Absolutely. it. And everyone wants that, that engagement. And so we started telling that story a, a bit about camp yep. and a bit about these, the, 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 you know, the five, six elements that make this, this powerful magic, uh, camp magic. And we try to bring it to the retreat. And, and, and it's, a, it's a story that, that goes really well. I am sure our leaders would be interested in hearing how to create magic in, in, their, you know, uh, in their businesses, in their lives. You know, so what, do you, what, do you, what are you doing to create magic? What are we doing to create magic? So, I, you know, so we have, we have, our, we have our little framework on, around what we call the, the, six, uh, the six elements right. of what creates unicorn teams. And we call them unicorn teams because, you know, a lot of people are building businesses or start startups and they're, you know, the idea of a unicorn, they want to yes. hit a billion dollars, yeah. you know, so on. And my question to them always is you want to hit a billion dollar company and you want to, you want to build a billion dollar company. You need to build billion dollar people. Yes. You need to build a unicorn company. You need to build unicorn people. So how do you create these unicorn teams? And just foundationally, even before I get to the six elements of it, I say the number one thing that is hands down, the most important thing, if it's the only thing you ever take away from Camp Magic, is enthusiasm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If you can approach every problem, every situation, every opportunity, every relationship, everything you do in life with a hint of enthusiasm, <laughs> it changes. It changes or, everything. That's or, it. Or like the two of us, a whole lot of enthusiasm. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. We have all that. That's it. That's, that's really it. And, I, and I, I'm like, there's all these frameworks and I'm like, I can give you some case studies yeah. and all this stuff, but I'm like, there's one thing you can take and all the leaders, like, like honestly, genuinely, enthusiasm and it changes everything. Sure. Because like if you're struggling with a relationship with a colleague, yeah. you know, go in and say, enthusiastically say, hey man, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. And like, I want to fix it. Yeah. Like, I'm here, I want to fix it. I want it to be better, but I'm struggling. Yeah. That enthusiasm, yeah. that nobody can be mad at you. No, sure. like, I want this to work. Know? I want this relationship to work. How can we get That's this it. to work? Absolutely. That's yeah. it. That's it. You know, and, and, and from our relationships or our business and all that. That's that's like, you know, that's just foundationally one of the most important things we say, you know, for the retreats. Everything that we do at the retreats, we should do with enthusiasm. But then when we go through the six elements uh, of, of, of this, and I can very briefly yeah, kind of. I know, I know it's a weekend, so yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, we say the, the, the bottom level of it is, is what we call psychological safety. Yes. And psychological safety uh, and vulnerable based trust is the terms like uh, psychological safety creates vulnerable based trust. Vulnerable based trust actually creates psychological safety. It's a nice little loop that we draw out for them. And what I mean by it, and I think a lot of us have, have come to understand like safe space. Yes. So I say there's three levels of safe space. The first level is like physically safe. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That, okay, that's Got the bottom. It. Like if exactly. you're physically safe, safe work, yes. the problem. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the second thing is is what I call is is, is safety from oppression, which is I feel safe to uh, I I don't feel attacked for my religion, for my race, for my I am not discriminated against. Yeah. So that is safety from oppression. That's one as an external oppression safety. Um, from from hearing that my, because I'm different, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be treated differently. Right. That's when we get into safe space. So there's the physical safety, and there's the safety from oppression. That's a safe space. Psychological safety is an internal safety. It's I feel safe enough to say what's on my mind. Right. I don't have I I'm I am safe enough to not have fear to share my idea. Right. Right. It's 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 different type of safety because it's internal projected outward versus outward projected inward, uh, inward right. right? It's the it's the it's the um, lack of fear, right. right? It's I am so safe that I don't have fear, and that's the type of environment that we need to create. 
And what we do at camp, the reason it works at camp so well is because we strip all the rules. We say, oh, no rules at camp. Like the rules are just come have fun. Right. The rules and the society norms, the culture norms are stripped away. And so we just have fun at camp. The rules are different. And then we're also very vulnerable with each other. Right. We make it a place where it's okay to be silly. Yeah. Or it's okay to be funny. It's okay to be yourself. And that's what makes Camp Magic so wonderful because we say, oh, we're not here to judge because actually my counselor is dressed up in a weird little uh, costume and we're singing songs and you're doing all these cheesy little things. But what it does is it breaks apart the, the society constructs that have created barriers between relationships, right? Yeah. And, and one of the other things as well is, is you're modeling the behavior that you want for your team right? You're modeling enthusiasm, you're modeling authenticity. So, you know, it's, what do we want in the world? We need to be that in the world, right? Like that's mm -hmm. also, that's also what's going on here. So I love it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so what is actually happening at a psychological level at a subconscious level is that the human body is looking for what is, what is called belonging cues, right? Cues that I do, do I belong to this group? Is this group safe? Mm -hmm. Is there, is there, is there a future with this group? Right. And belonging cues are very subconscious and they start immediately when we look at the person, we say, Hey, do I fit? Then, then the first interaction to so the level of enthusiasm, level of energy, and then little things that they say, or little actions that they have. And, you know, uh, you know, an example that's always given in, 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 you know, with, with teachers, for example, that works really well. They're like, Oh, teachers that do really well. They're, they greet all their kids when they first walk yes, in the door. Yeah. What that is, is a belonging cue. Right. That tells a kid, I belong to this classroom. Yeah. The kid, uh, the teacher knows my name. Yeah. We're looking for these belonging cues, right? Um, I, and there's so many, so many examples that, that I could you no, know, go I, down well, with. And, and I know, yeah, no, and, and, and I want to, like, I love where we're going, but I, I also want to keep it tight because there's so many things I want to talk about with you in the, you know, 50 minutes or so that we've got here this morning. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one, we got psychological safety with that, that yeah. vulnerable based trust. We go vulnerable based trust. And the, then the second, the second level is called predictive based trust. That's more around dependability and predictability. So when I ask people, oh, do you trust your teammate? Most people will say, yeah, yeah, I trust them to do the job. Yeah. Trusting them to do the job is a predictive trust, not a vulnerable trust, sure. right? Vulnerable trust requires psychological safety. That means You've, you've given them the space to, 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 to say what's on their mind without fear of repercussion. Yeah. Prediction-based trust is you trust them to be dependable. Yes. That is the second level of trust, right? That is the first level is vulnerable, but it's the second level is predictive. And that helps when we have really good role clarity and structure, right? People aren't dependable unless they're very, very clear on what the expectations and they're empowered to make those decisions, right? But we have different ways that we take them through around redefining their roles and being really, really clear on that. The third level there we talk about is, is harnessing the power of conflict. Right. And so I think a lot of times we see conflict as a negative thing, but that's only because it's unproductive conflict. Yeah. Conflict is when we put ideas under pressure. Yeah. And when ideas go under pressure, that's when they form into beautiful ideas, better ideas, and so on and so forth. And so how do we, how do we harness the power of conflict? Well, conflict is actually, in majority of cultures, is an un, it has unwritten rules. Right. On how to engage in conflict. Right. So we actually write the rules of conflict. We all sit down as a group and we start writing, what are the rules of conflict that we're going to have as a team? How do we actually engage in conflict where we all feel respected and how do we actually encourage it? Because if you don't have conflict happening in your team, then likely what you have is office politics. Is it still happening? It's just happening under the table, right? Also as well, your business, people don't care one of the things is if, if you know, oh, there's no conflict because I just don't care. Like, I'm just getting a paycheck. I'm not really trying to grow. I'm, I don't believe in the mission of the business, right? So I'm not, it's this, yeah, not a safe yeah. space. So yeah, conflict. And again, for our leaders, this, it's good. We need structure so that we can have it safely. We can have it, have it and, and see it as, you know, and really be in the discovery of, well, Fahad, why do you feel the way you feel? Because maybe I'm not seeing something. What's going on? Because you see it differently. Help me. Right. And so not in the space of, oh, I'm right and Fahad's wrong. No, no, no. Right. Get out of that right, wrong space. Yeah. Not a combative conflict, yeah. but a but a very dialogue-based conflict. And even then, you know, I got a lot of CEOs when we discuss conflict, they say, Well, Fahad, I've given them the opportunity to conflict. Right. And I'm like, the opportunity to conflict is different than a structured 
engagement of conflict. Um, Pixar does these beautiful uh, brain test sessions right. where uh, they do them 12 sessions. They have to rewrite. Pixar almost rewrites its stories 12 times. And at every rewrite of the story and every rewrite of the movie, they have these brain test sessions where they bring the top directors of every movie right. and they tear apart your movie, right. right? They literally create areas where they create, uh, you know, structured conflict sessions right. so that they can give you critical feedback that is, that is, that is extremely healthy. And so, so that, you know, and Intel has a beautiful saying where it says, uh, disagree and commit. Right. Yes, exactly. If you, you allow someone to disagree, they can commit. So then we get into the, the, the fourth, uh, fourth level, which is effective leadership. Right. And effective leadership, we say, consists of two things, which is coaching and accountability. An effective leader needs to be a coach. Entire purpose of a leader is to make their people better. Exactly. If, if you're not making your people better, then you're a manager. Yeah. You're just managing resources, which is fine. Yeah. And that's, that's needed too. Yeah. But a leader makes their people better. And so how do you make your people better? Well, you need to become a good coach. Yeah. You have to learn how to coach. Yeah. That's a skill, yeah. right? So coaching and accountability. But I say it's so hard to hold someone accountable if you've never given them the chance to conflict. Right. That's why they build it on each other. Now, I remember a story, and 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 when I was running one of the businesses, I had a we were I was overseeing a a, a restaurant, and we had given the restaurant owner, um, well, the restaurant manager. Sorry, we were we were the directors of it. Restaurant manager, a set of tasks that the consultant had outlined that we would do to improve the restaurant. Right. And never did it. He, he, we, he did what we call these T-Rex arms right. where they try like, Oh, let me help you. Oh, oops. I can't. Oh no. You know, it didn't happen. They just can't reach. They try just hard enough that it fails, but so that they can say I they did, did something. I tried. Yeah. Sure. I tried and it works. He told you. And when you ask them, and I remember asking him very, I was like, why, why didn't this work? Why didn't we do this? And he said, well, I thought it was a bad idea in the first place. I said, Oh, well, why didn't you tell me? He said, well, you never gave us a chance to conflict. Yeah. And so when we don't have vulnerable-based trust, we don't provide the opportunity for conflict. Right. And we don't provide the opportunity for conflict. We as leaders can't hold them accountable, which makes coaching extremely difficult. Yeah. And so this is why it really builds on each other. The last two is, the fifth one is personal meaning and contribution. Right. People really, in this day and age, more than ever before, but for long-term, like opportunity, especially if you're in North America, and if you, especially if you're a skilled worker, there is plethora of opportunity. For sure. And, and, and it's out there. And so how do we engage people? Well, they need to have a personal meaning and per, they can need to feel the contribution to what they're doing. Right? They can't feel like a cog in the system. Yes. I have clients in government. We've been working on engaging high talent in the government. They're like, well, we're losing top talent. We can't attract top talent. But yeah, because you're boring. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody feels like they're doing anything when they're working yeah. with you. They feel like a cog in the system. And unless I can see my personal contribution, it doesn't work, which is why entrepreneurship is thriving today. Yeah. It's thriving because you're like, hey, like I went and I painted that wall. I can see my work and I can see how that sale made this difference in that home. Yes. And that personal contribution makes a big difference. And then the last but not least one is, a, is an all-encompassing vision. Yeah. An all-encompassing vision right at the top but a really clear goal. And, and the best example I say is that the reason in, in, in business we all love using sport analogies yeah. is because sports have an all-encompassing vision win the championship. to win the championship. And, and it's already given. Yeah. And that's what, that's what makes analogies for sports and business difficult, actually, and sometimes inaccurate. Is because when you're playing a, a basketball game, you're like, put the ball in the hoop. Yeah. That's your goal. Yeah. The goal is very simple. Put the ball in the yeah. hoop. But when we're doing business, we're like, okay, well, we have these nine different goals. Yes. and you're going to hit this goal and that goal. And it, and it feels so spread apart. But can we get one goal where it's like, we're going to put the ball in the hoop, yeah. right? That's, that's our goal. And, and you know, one of our, my recent clients, G Batteries here in Ottawa, and what I love about them, the work that they're doing, they're trying to revolutionize electric vehicles. And their mission, their vision is very simple. They said, we will, we're working on ensuring that electric vehicles charge as fast as pouring a, ta a tank of gas. Wow. Simple. That's it. Every staff knows their mission. Every day they're showing up to work. What they're working on is getting electric vehicles to charge as fast as a tank of gas. That and such a clear, authentic vision yes. that 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 we'll that change that the world. Drive everyone. And will change the world. Yeah. Hey, leaders. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. The one thing, and again, why why I, you know, in our first conversation, I became so connected to you is just your passion is so clear, right? Your passion in what you do, the passion in, in you know, um, like it's just so evident. And, 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 and for our young leaders, like that's something you want, right? And it's, and, and again, it's, it's like, that's, I know for me, I'm as passionate about my business as I was 35 years ago. I just, I just get it. I, I, I just wake up every morning. I'm like, oh, great. Here's what I'm going to do today to go, go create my vision. So why do you do what you do? What has you so passionate? Because clearly it just jumps off out, out of this podcast. <laughs> that's a that's a great question. I think I think one of the um, misconceptions of passion yeah. is that is that is that you find it. Yeah, I think passion is something you develop. It's not something you find. And I think far too many of us um, have this concept of like, oh, I need to go and find myself. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna go travel and I'll discover myself. Not, right. not finding yourself. It's not a it's not a search. It's not a search. It's a it's a it's a create. Right. Create yourself. Right. What What do you want to be? What do you? What kind of values do you want to have? Values are not given. You You said them. And I think again, there was a, a great philosopher that, that shared. Quote, he said, "said we're, we're we're born an empty slate, and then for the next eighteen years of our life, society and our parents and and, and our teachers are imprinting culture and ideas and and just and then we spend the next years of our life just." redefining and stripping away these notions of identity that have been handed to us that never existed when we were actually born. Right. And, and so, so I just want to kind of take that. And, and a lot of the young people that are listening to your, your thing, and they're like, man, I don't really know what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about my business. That, that's okay. Because passion is not something you find. It's something you create, but it's also something that you have to simply try. Yes. You have to try so many different things, right? You can't, you can't read about what a banana tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> like mm, the potassium tastes delicious. You, you, yeah. you know, you can read about working out all you want, but your muscles aren't going to get any better. Yes. I had a I had a friend who purchased a book on how to swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, like get some swimming lessons and get in the water. Like <laughs> finding the passion is the same thing. You you got to try different subjects in university and college. You got to try different businesses. You got to. You you got to dive into it, and, and and passion develops over time. My passion, I think, developed at a, at a, an age where when I started these camps, I started realizing I really enjoyed coaching. I was I was coaching sports. I was helping these young kids just understand themselves. Right. I would you know I, I I always and even on sports teams that I played, I would I was always like the the player coach. Right. They're like guys, let's do this, let's do that. That would have a natural personality. I liked seeing other people do well. Right. Whenever I was able to help a friend and they did well, I had this sense of pride and joy that, that I couldn't get anywhere else. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so I enjoyed helping people. And so I continued helping people, whether it was through my youth work, whether it was through fundraising, and I found different ways of it. And, and it's interesting. My, my father was a teacher, mm -hmm. the teacher then became principal and he worked in educational reform back in Kuwait, where we're from before we came to, to Canada. And so, you know, I was taught by a teacher. And so I, I kind of naturally took on as a, as a teacher, but I didn't want to go the formal route of teaching. Right. I, I liked coaching. I liked helping others. And so that eventually developed. And I was always asked to public speak. I was like, can you come do this speech for us? Or we'd love for you to share this story. And it kind of developed. And you know, today as a speaker, I travel across Canada and, and we're even looking at some work in the U S and, 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 and so on and so forth, which is exciting. But I didn't wake up and, you know, I wasn't saying, Oh, I wanted to be a speaker. Right. I, I want 
Yeah. I wanted to coach people. I wanted to train people. I wanted to help people become better and empower them because I was empowered at a very young age and I'm a big learner and I, I can take what I learn very quickly and provide it to other people, whether it's through experiences, through my research or so on and so forth. Right. And so I find my passion developed over about a seven, eight year period, but it, it, it honed in on one thing that I really enjoyed, which was just helping people, empowering people to take ownership of their life. And that's what like self-leadership really started off at. Right, right. Because one of the things that really jumps off the page for me, you know, in meeting you and, 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 and having the conversations that we've had is you've got just a really great base of skills and habits and, and um, you know, charisma and powerful speaker. So how did you develop those habits? How did you develop those mm-hmm. skills? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got it. I got, I guess, a, I guess a couple things I would say. Um, Three things I could share. Three things. Um, the first thing was I was always an avid reader. Right. You know, I loved reading. Or and, and you know what? Even this and these days, I listen to more books than I read. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Auto. I'm in the car far too often. I'm traveling yes. far too often. I don't read as much as I'd like. Yeah. I, probably, I feel like I consume differently. Yeah. But Audible. It's there. Yeah. And so I'm going through, you know, 15, 18 books a year. I'm not. Crazy. Some people. Yes. Some people are like, I do a book a day. Am I? That's insane. I don't know, I don't know, know how you. Like, I don't know how you can consume it either. You, yeah. you know. And, but, yeah. But but sure. You know, like I'm 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 doing it, and and that knowledge I take in, and so so I feel like I learn so much and develop so many habits just from you know consuming the information. But then far too much, far too many of us consume the information and then put up on a shelf, yeah. right? That's what they call self-help. Yeah. You know, like self-help. self-help, self-help. I've never heard that. I love that. Oh. You know, put it up on a shelf. I would make it a habit of like, if I learned something, I would try it that day. Right? Someone gave me a sales technique, try it that day. Someone gave me a new, try it that day. I'm sure. Like, what, what do I got to lose? You know, I, I would try things right away. You know, one of the and things, just, sorry to cut you off, but one of the things I do is, is I actually try to teach someone it. Like, so, so yeah. it's like, it's like, I, you know, I'm reading something and here's what it is. And, and I have conversations about it just because then, you know, if I can't explain it to someone, I really don't know it, you know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. my friends say, fine, you, you can regurgitate books. I'm like, yeah, because I've been doing it for eight years now where I'd read a book or I'd listen to it and I'd be like, yo, I'm reading this really cool book. Yes. This is what it says. And I'm just telling, I'm just sharing it. Yes. You know, we're having dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, let me tell you about this book. And they're like, oh my God, that's so interesting. Yes. Right. And the regurgitation of the book, right, puts it in your mind, yes. right? So that was number one. Like, I just genuinely, I think curiosity as a trait for leadership is one that we look for in our team. So when we talk about unicorn leadership, so we have unicorn leadership, leaders and unicorn teams. Those are the two kind of trademark terms that we're trying to, you know, work, work with here. Right. And, and what we call for unicorn teams, one of the top skills that we say is it actually is quite difficult to actually teach and it's a little innate. Is curiosity. Right. Are you curious? Right. Right. And I think that creates the learning, which then creates the habit. So that was number one, learn, like learning. I just picked up a ton of books. Two is I just, I was a yes man. Right. Sure. We want to try and do a fundraiser? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> want to try and do a gap? All right. Okay. Want to coach this team? Okay. Sure. Definitely. Just going through the habit of just saying yes. I think far too many of us, um, at a young age and unnecessarily protect our time for useless things. Right. Right. We all say I'm busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm, I, I screw that. If you, if you ever catch yourself saying you're busy, stop, yeah. just stop. Cause, cause we all have 168 hours a week. Yeah. Don't say I'm busy. Just say I'm choosing to do this with Absolutely. my time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Teach that. And changing, changing that language would change the way you see it. Like I haven't watched a Netflix show in four years. Okay. I personally, it's just not my thing, yeah. right? I don't, I'd rather play sport. I do recreational things. I do things to rejuvenate, but it's just to me, it's not like Netflix show. But some people will say I'm too busy, and then have all sorts of lost you know, time. Yes, yeah. And so, so I did as many things as possible, and that yes, yes kind of attitude developed so many habits because it it what it was the person I became doing those projects versus the projects themselves. Right, right. The camp. It was the person I became doing the camp. The fundraisers. The person I came. I was president of Carlton University Student Union for two years. Right. I was a person that became 
during the time I was president versus the things that I accomplished. I accomplished things I'm proud of, but it just being a yes man was 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 the. And then the 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 third thing um, was, I do a ton of goal setting, and I've been setting goals ever since I was, I think in grade eleven. I was taught about goal setting, and I would set goals. And the thing I say about goals all the time is similar. It's the person you become in the process of achieving your goals, and not the achievement of the goal. Definitely. Right. Yeah. I set goals every year. I review goals on, on. I review my goals on a quarterly basis to change them. I review them on a monthly basis to give myself a little mark. Right. And that has been the biggest change in my habits. Habits, like sometimes I'm like I, I love going to the gym in the morning. I made it to the gym in the morning this morning, which is why I was just a few minutes late for for, for our call. Um. Love to go to the gym in the morning, but there's some weeks that go by, I don't make it to the gym. Right. Yeah. But I think we also have this attitude of like all in or nothing. Right. No, it's okay to be half in. I went to the gym. I messed up. I went back to the gym. Yeah. Right. I took two weeks off. Ah, damn. I'm gonna go back in. That's and that's so huge. The, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think the, the again the misconception that oh it takes 21 days straight to to, to form a habit. No, it takes a year. It takes two years to form a habit. Yeah. But you're going to fall off. You're going to do it for 21 days and you're going to fall off for a week or two. Then you're going to do it for another two, three, four weeks and you're going to fall off. But it's the process of getting back on the horse that's really powerful. And I think we can learn that from meditation. Meditation teaches, like literally you're supposed to calm yourself down, focus on one thing until you lose focus. Once you lose focus, refocus. But but you have to lose focus. You have to, it's part of the process. You know, if you don't lose focus then you've never actually, you know, you don't achieve that, that moment in between the, the focus and losing focus, which is the, the elusive moment that we're all looking for of peacefulness, yes. right? That moment comes in losing focus. So unless we're willing to fall off the horse in our habits, we're not going to form these habits. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's so wise about how you, how, how you, you sort of see that it's, it's, you know, the, uh, around working out or around eating. Oh God, I went and had some, you know, this, or I didn't stick to my diet and people get upset and then they fall right off the diet for a few days or a few weeks. And then, Oh, you know, no, no, no. This is called being human. This is called, you know, this is like, like, I don't know anybody. I know lots of incredibly successful people. I don't know people who don't always do what they say. Like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's called really, really high levels of integrity. No one is always an in integrity around their goals and their commitments. And, and sometimes, like you said as well, it's, it's just choices. I was up late yesterday, a really, really busy day. So I'd set up a, a plan to work out this morning. Good chance my body would not have responded. So, so, and that's okay. You know, so make it in the afternoon or whatever it is. So exactly. yeah, exactly. just stay committed. Exactly. So, so what about, um, uh, what did you need to change? Like you've, you've really, you've really, uh, um, uh, you know, you really are creating a whole lot in the world, the money raised, all the schools and the kids you impact as a, as a leader and helping, helping develop them. What did you need to change to, to, to become the person you are? Cause, cause this is something as well that our young leaders need to see is, is that this, 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 you know, young man is not as, you know, well, for, you're not a finished product either, but, but again, yeah. you know, at 15, at 18, at 19, there's just an enormous development. What, so what did you need to change and develop about yourself? You know, a mentor of mine put it really well. He said, you know, I think a lot of us say this too at a young age and I, I used to say it too. I was like, Say, you want to be a millionaire? And I was like, yeah, I want to be a millionaire. He said, become the person you need to be to be a millionaire. Yeah, for sure. Then you'll be a millionaire. Yeah. Right? We want, to, we want to be the millionaire first before we become the person. Yeah. But he said, become the person you need to be before you need to be a millionaire. I think there's, there's genuinely maybe, again, three things. Yeah. Three, three things that, 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 that changed everything for me. Um, First thing was I bookended my days, morning routine, evening routine. To this day, I don't do it every morning or every evening. It falls off. My routines aren't perfect. But I three, four times a week, I still do them. And what they do is they they calibrate me, right? Morning routine. Most of us all have a morning routine, whether it's conscious or not. We have a morning routine. And most of our morning routines is uh, snooze, you know? Exactly, and I hate life, right? Yeah. And then majority of, of, of my generation, most of us, are, right, we sleep right next to our phone. So what do we do? We wake up, we grab our phone, 
Okay. And we start scrolling through Instagram. I I learned something really interesting. The different brain waves that we have that, 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 that our brain, that our brain emits, um, provide different type of, uh, neuro connections, but they also provide different types of thoughts. The, the brain wave that you emit when you are in a creative mode, right. Okay. Is similar to the one that you emit when a, when, uh, when a hypnotist is hypnotizing you. And it's the same one that when you're in the shower and everything's away from you and you're like, oh, I have such clear thought. Yeah. That brain wave, that's the third level brain wave that we emit is the same one that when we wake up in the morning, we are emitting because we're just leaving our dreams zone. Right. What that tells us is that we're extremely prone to suggestion right. in the morning. Yeah. You pull up your phone and you go through Instagram and the dopamine and ster- serotonin start to release from the feelings that you get from Instagram. You feel good and you don't feel the need to get out of bed. It is so like psychologically damaging for us to like, the first thing we do is we grab our phone and start going through Facebook and Instagram because you're, because you don't want to get out of bed at that point. Right. right. And you, and then you, you put the phone, you snooze, you wait another 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And the, Beginning of your day is this mess. So I, I created a very a, a morning routine that just involved getting up a little earlier. That involved like I'm going to take a shower. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna read one page of the I love the Daily Stoic. The book uh, has one page of Stoicism a day. Just read it to to anchor my my mind. Um, I recently bought the five minute journal. Okay, yes. Um, uh, that some people have extremely recommended. It takes five minutes in the morning to just journal and if you're like me you don't know what to journal about because i'm like i don't know i have too many i don't know what to write about they just give you guided questions like what are you grateful for what do you look forward to doing today little things that just anchor you so i i got a really good morning routine and a really good evening routine that just shifted my entire day now i wake up with a win i wake up with a win and in the first hour of my day i own it and then the rest i i feel like a king for the rest of my day Right, because you're waking up in such a positive, good energy mode, and that's what gets me going. So that was the, the the evening routine was also about going to bed properly, taking away distractions, reading a bit before night again to re recover that. So that was the first thing. As I I realized that bookending my days was a was a was a big thing. The second thing was um, I, I genuinely started making health a non negotiable. Yeah. I think far too many of us negotiate with our health. Yeah. That's just it. We negotiate with our health and we negotiate with ourselves. We say, ah, it's okay if I'm a little, you know, I'm not healthy or I'm just another bad meal here. Yeah. And I think part of it is a lot of us genuinely don't know. Yeah. Like genuinely, genuinely don't know. Uh, example, easy example, Subway cookie is 300 calories. All right. Most of us don't know what a calorie is. Most of us don't understand. 300 calories for majority of people, I'm a 200 pound person and my, my average calorie intake should be about 2,200, 2,300. Yeah. You're smaller than me, and you're eating 300 calories in a cookie that's filled with sugar and butter. No wonder you're crashing. Yeah. No wonder you can't focus. No wonder we have a generation of students who the second most used drug in university is Adderall yeah. and Vyvanse, yeah. focusing drugs, ADHD drugs. Why? So that they can focus because they're on sugars, they're on caffeine, they're on this, and then they say they can't focus. I get that because we're negotiating with our health. I just made it a non negotiable in my life. I work out no matter how busy my day is and I eat healthy no matter how busy my day is. It's because the only game piece we have is this body. We're playing this game of life and we got to, you know, we want to make more money for sure. We want to impact more people for sure. We want to achieve your goals for sure. At the sacrifice of your only game piece. If you lose this game piece, it's gone. Right. And so that became a non-negotiable that changed, that changed, that changed my life. That changed everything. It just became such an anchor that it's like, that's it. Yeah, I still eat bad meals every now and then. I still have chocolate. I'm not saying I don't, but it's the overall, right? It's the overall non-negotiable of of, of how important your healthy energy is. And then um, the the last thing uh, I did that changed my habits was I started being like writing down my goals, but I started being accountable to my goals. So you write this lofty goal of what it means. What do you want to be in 10 years? Okay. What does that mean in five years? Okay. What does that mean this year? Okay. What does that mean this month? What does that mean this week? And what does that mean today? I started breaking my goals down to daily or weekly actions. Right. And so we call them lag goals and lead goals, right? 
Result-based goals versus behavior-based goals. A behavior-based goal changed everything for me. I have a little app that just says, did you work out today? Did you eat healthy today? Yeah. Did you did you read for 15 minutes today? Right. Did you the little habits that I want? And and sometimes it's no, but the fact that it asks me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did I do it? Changes my own accountability to myself. Right. Those were the three things, and genuinely, those things changed changed my 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 life. Changed my all the opportunity I had and everything. Well, I, I love the one thing I'm going to jump back to is, is, you know, you talked about, Hey, you wanted to be a, a you know, a, a, a NBA basketball player. And uh, so and I'm, I'm a huge fan, but, but we really need to think about ourselves as athletes. Like we really do. Yeah. Like that is the, the, you know, so, so, you know, again, how are we sleeping? How are we eating? What are we putting on our body? Like, you know, like that is, that is what, you know, if you look at Kawhi Leonard, like, you know, there's just an incredible regimen about what he does to perform at that level. So what are you doing to perform at a really high level? So so I have the, a, a lot of the same beliefs and thoughts. And and again, what am I putting into my mind? What am I putting into my body? And again, it's not 100%. And it's 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 really good. And 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 I'll see as well. I'll see all of a sudden, hey, wow, I'm I'm I haven't been doing doing as well, you know. After Cancun, a little bit too many desserts or something. I'm I'm at the weight that I just don't go above, it, and it's like okay, dial it back down, you know. And and it's just like not not okay. And and most people go, what are you talking about, Chris? You're not overweight. You're not this. You look great. That, that's okay. It's like that's that's where um, if you don't have that line, then that's where it just totally drifts off, and all of a sudden it's it's. You've got a porch um, <laughs> that you've built. No, exactly. And you know, Chris, what, what describes that? So I, t- I said one of the first things that we look for in leaders with our with our unicorn leadership was curiosity. The second thing was standards. Right. Yeah, standards. You simply raise your standards. That Obviously, people are looking at you like, you're not overweight. And you're like, well, your standards are off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, what, what, is, what is off with your perspective right now is that your standards are extremely low. And I, I feel in society that you, we either... We, 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 we form our standards based on the people around us. Right. So you, you either, you either are willing to lower your standards or change the people around yeah. you. Cause I think if you, if you're able to raise your standards and then be around people with that highest standard, that's what makes a difference yeah. is I think standards is a, is an unspoken about powerful thing for your young leaders, for your business owners. Absolutely. Simply hold yourself to an extremely high standard and your decisions will just start to evolve. Yeah. Right. You'll start to ask, wait, is that decision actually within my standards? Yeah, yeah exactly. Is that, is that leading in the direction that I want my life to be? Right. Again, yeah. what you talked about earlier, this is what I want me, my life to be. And, you know, maybe, the, you know, and, and what I want to be, you know, thinking about, you know, the day before I, 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 I slide into home base and, and get out of this world. Um, and and then, you know, am I aligned? Am I doing what I want? Am I making the contributions I want, et cetera? And like you said, so much of that is is who I am, who I'm being. So, um, well, I can't believe how how how. Uh, much we've covered in such a short period of time, and I know I'm sort of got a got an idea in terms of how uh, how long I want to spend with you this morning. And you were just so amazing, and I knew you would be. And thank you. Um, but so I've got I, I, one of the things I'm just going to talk about at the end is just how people can reach you and and stuff like that. But my, one of the questions we always ask on this podcast is, you know, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what do you think of? When I think a leader of tomorrow, I think I think of what we, we the term fluid leadership. I think there is a lot of styles of leadership. There's a lot of different ways to go about leadership. I think the most powerful leaders are the ones who are fluid in their style. They're able to adapt to different individuals. I think we 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 used to see leadership as a big group thing, an individual leading a lot of people. I think leadership is an individual leading a lot of individual people collectively. Right. Because leaders, everyone is led differently. And so leadership fluidity allows us to, 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 to have different styles of leadership. And I think the golden rule is unfortunately wrong where we say we, we should treat others how we want to be treated. I think that's wrong because it misses the point. We should treat others how they want yes, to be treated. Exactly. I think the most effective leaders are the ones who have really strong leadership fluidity where they can flow between leadership styles where they can pass the leadership baton and get it back and 
and, and flow through that. And that fluidity, that adaptability, there is the um, uh, adaptability quotient that is, that, is, uh, that is now more spoken about, right? So we have uh, you know, emotional intelligence, we have IQ, intelligence quotient, we're having an adaptability quotient. How adaptable are you as a leader? Because the pace at which our world is changing will not, will not let anyone survive if they don't have adaptability. You will not be an effective leader if you cannot adapt at the because the, the pace of change is, is accelerating exponentially. Yeah. It's not slowing no. down. There's no marginal return on change. It is exponentially changing. What was okay 100 years ago, and if you had a certain style of leadership 100 years ago or even 50 years ago that could carry you through your career, that does not work today. You can't adapt. We're seeing phenomenal leaders just fall off the wayside because they can't they can't adapt. Yeah. yeah. And, and part of it is as well as I think as well as is just seeing it as a willingness to adapt. Like, cause it's, mm-hmm. it really isn't, I can't, um, uh, um, you know, our, our vice, our vice president, I, he's great at this, like, you know, Patrick and he'll, he'll sort of say, you know, no, no, no. You, you, and it's not that you can't, it's just, you're not willing to, you know, it's just like, hold on, you know, you're, you're capable of doing that. And yeah, good catch. Thanks. You know, it's, it, you know, it's like, no, no, you, you're right. It's just like, and, and so it's just stripping, stripping that away. And, and maybe it's a little bit, I've got to flex more to go and get to that space or flex more to be, you know, I'm not very detail oriented, but again, yeah. look, look at all the books I've read, look at all the stuff I have. So, so again, it's just like, no, don't, don't collapse just stories to make it, yeah. to make it so no, no, no. So, so uh, I, I just, I, I just love that. And, and that, um, you know, you'll see people as they age, they'll just stop again, they'll stop getting the latest thing or, you know, and, and the problem with that is it starts cutting you off the world and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's just something I'm not going to do. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so, so how can our leaders reach out to you, you know, and, and, and how, and also as well, Hey, how could our leaders and how could our network help you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, reach out to me. Obviously, I'm on all the social media platforms. Yeah. So I think the easiest way is if, if my name is in the description of this, yes, you can just be. Google my name yeah. and you'll find I, I'm very Googleable because it's a very unique name. Yes. So, so put the name in Google and you'll find all the different ways to reach me. Yeah. Uh, email, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and so on and so forth. You'll find my website, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, my name is Fahad Al-Hatab. Uh, last name's a little more difficult to spell, so hopefully we'll, we'll get that in the notes and, and in the uh, yeah, and, and feel free to reach out, right? And 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 you know, I I, I mentor a bunch of entrepreneurs. I I I do coach uh, a lot of young companies, and and we have different grant programs that we use to help them because usually they can't afford the training, but they want it, and and they want their they have the you know desire to improve themselves and improve their team, and so there's there's an opportunity to work together right. and 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 help them elevate their teams. Um, in terms of how they can help me, well, if you're, you know, you're looking for a speaker on, on leadership and team dynamics and you liked some of the stuff that I shared and invite me, invite me in, that's it. You know, and share some thoughts, whether it's at a panel or, or you want me to keynote, you want me to run a workshop, uh, so on and so forth. Um, if you think you're working with an organization or you know an organization that could genuinely benefit from improving their leadership capacity or improving their team dynamics, then, uh, then I'm your guy. Well, that's awesome. You know, cause, cause it's funny. Um, we're, we're looking to ha- have the podcast reach out to more and more, uh, you know, young leaders to, to, you know, hear what we're about and to, to, to make a contribution to the greater world as, as you know, both and uh, both of us are so connected to that. And, um, the, the, the one group is, you know, existing operators, but a huge group of people who listen to the podcast because I get message from them is are incredibly successful alumni. And a lot of them are running really successful organizations or senior really successful organizations. So I wanted to wanted to get that in for you because because, again, you know, the way the world works is the, the more we contribute and we contribute with just a sense of just throwing it out there the world comes back. And, um, you know, uh, again, I reached out to Fahad and, and, and it was just like, yeah, how can I help? Um, and, and that's just who you are as a leader. That's who you are as a person. And, um, uh, and again, I, I look forward to continue our relationship. And again, when I'm in Ottawa, maybe I can take you for lunch or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, I, well, I used to have a little bit of a hoops game, but you know, my boy, my boys will <laughs> let you know, not so much anymore. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. It's honestly an honor. It's fun to have these conversations, to share, to learn about what you're doing, yeah. and to be able to speak to, to 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 your to your leaders, to your alumni, and and uh, you know you've you've built a phenomenal organization, a phenomenal company there. And I think anyone who's a part of this should be proud of the skills and the development they're going through. I think it's uh, quite something. Awesome. Okay. Well, hey, best of luck this weekend. Go create some more magic. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. You betcha. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.